Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Thursday, July 21, 2022. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, let's start with the thing that's jumping off the page. The obvious will be Captain Obvious. They're in no man's land. We discussed getting above this particular high, 395.78. They poked above it yesterday. Today, once they were able to get above and close candles above, stay above yesterday's high, they took off into no man's land. And where are they headed? Well, ultimately, they're headed for at least this gap here, 401.44. But there's always a but. There's a couple of caveats in there. The market is getting into an on-time situation. On-time situation at the gap or slightly above the gap, for example, tomorrow, makes for an interesting setup, if you will. Let's talk about some of the other things at work. So one of the things that I teach in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader, is how to run normal garden variety retracements, as I call them. They're also known as Fibonacci retracements. Now, it may seem easy on the surface, but there's a way in which to do the Fibonacci retracements in terms of which pivot high, which pivot low, and so on. So what I'm going to do is just give you some simple numbers. One of the normal garden variety retracements that a market will make is a 382 retracement around 38% of the move from a particular pivot high to a particular pivot low. When using those pivots, it is retracing a portion of the move, in this case, from high to low. The move back up is a retracement of sorts. Now, we talked about the market getting to SPY 400 and then likely filling the gap. Now, as of today, on close, they got basically to 399 aftermarket. They spiked it to 399. They're selling off a little bit as I make this video. I'm sure somebody was out with earnings. Whatever the case is, it doesn't matter what happens in the after hours. What matters is regular business hours. So here's where I'm going with this. If I use one set of pivot high and pivot low, the 382 retracement comes in at 400.33. So we'll just call it a little bit of a spike of 400. They're close on close today. They're one point away. We could say it's close enough for government work, but it's really not. They should get to 400. Now, keep this in mind. Trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew. They come close. They make it look like everything's fine, getting right underneath it. And then all of a sudden they pull back making everybody think there's a failure, and then they go up again later. That's one possible scenario. But let me throw something else in the mix. So right now, we have 400, which is just above current price. We have this particular gap closing price, 401.44. Then we have, and this line that just appeared, 407, slightly above 407, which gets into the neighborhood of this breakdown candle high is a 382 retracement using the all-time pivot high. See, this here from April or late March was not the all-time pivot high. The all-time pivot high 
was at the turn of the year. If I just scroll left on the chart, you'll see that the all-time high was 479.88. So when you use that one, that 382 retracement comes slightly above 407. So here's the net-net. I'm expecting the market to get to at least 400. I'm expecting it to potentially get to 407 and potentially get into the 100 period moving average. I can't say that it will get to the 100 period moving average, but what I can say is if it did get there and it got there sooner than later, meaning without eating time off the clock, running sideways and pulling back underneath before it gets there, that would be a different story. What I'm offering you are some clues. Clues to what? Clues to my next trade setup, which is likely going to be on the short side. I may or may not trade the SPY. There may be a better opportunity elsewhere. But keep in mind, we, as in lazy swing trader members, traded it off the bottom. We were long the S&P, long a couple of the high-quality stocks. We've now exited the majority of the total of the long positions. We've got some stuff left for a continued push higher, but here's where the method to the madness comes in. What I'm trying to do is explain and teach you at least my strategy and most professional traders' strategy for how they exit trades. We don't necessarily exit all at one price. We exit two or three times, maybe more in some cases. What happens is a trader at the ultimate target, the top-end target that we're willing to put on the board, We don't have our full position on by the time price gets to that final target. We have a portion of what's left because we've taken the trade, taken a profit number one, turned it into a risk-free, emotionless trade. Profit number two, we're squeezing more profit. Profit number three, we're squeezing as much as we can in the midst of a risk-free, emotionless trade. Once we've taken our first profit, It's almost, and I say almost because you can have a huge gap down, of course, but it's almost or virtually impossible to end up taking a loss on that trade. We did that on the way up. Now, while we have some stuff left on the long side, the market should be coming into overhead resistance. Now, the market was down a lot from the highs, so to go up another 7 to 10 points, 70 to 100 S&P handles sounds like a lot, but in the big scheme of things, it's really not that much. The market is still within a bounce, a bear market bounce, within a downtrend. Remember the weekly chart. Can they get up to the 411, the convergence of those moving averages? Yeah, it can happen, sure. Is it going to happen before some kind of a decent pullback? Probably not. We don't know, that's why we have to put on strategies that account for the market going higher. We have a strategy, we understand what we're doing, we may have multiple entries just like we have multiple exits on the way out. The multiple entries come at very important spots. They get above one important spot, they're likely going to go to another, we know what that spot is and we're willing to put more on for the same trade. That's the strategy. That's part of the strategy. Inside the numbers, we're going to take a look at the commentary. We'll circle back to stocks on the move. 
Now, let me make mention of something. When I talk about the market in these videos, I've been saying that the market is likely going higher into no man's land, fill the gap and all that stuff. So that turned out to be correct. When you translate that from an intraday perspective, I still have that in my mind. So therefore, I'm thinking pullbacks are designed to be purchased, bought long, because the market is still riding higher. An intraday pullback, specifically in the morning, is garden variety stuff. They shake out the Johnny-come-latelys, and then they go up later in the day. That's what happens in a bullish phase of any kind of market. doesn't happen every day like that. Sometimes they just gap up. Either way, we're expecting at some point further upside from the big picture perspective, so I'm willing to buy the market at certain prices. And here's the other thing. If I miss a trade in the S&P from an inside-the-numbers perspective, I don't really care that much because I'm already long with other stuff in my swing trading account. So I don't feel like I'm missing something. Again, there's a method to the madness. There's a time and place for swing trades. There's a time and place for day trades. And sometimes you can trade around a swing trading position from an intraday perspective specifically when it applies to the major market like the NASDAQ or the S&P or something like that. Happy Thursday, quiet overnight session, which gives no clues whatsoever. So we'll get down to the business of the numbers. Starting in the northbound lane, getting above yesterday's high, 396.26, puts Mrs. Market in no man's land. We talked about that when we looked at the chart. That's precisely what happened and on the expressway to 400 and the gap of 401.44. It came up short at 399 today, fair enough. In the southern lane, staying below 394.5 keeps the door open to finish some unfinished business down at 392 and a quarter. Below that starts to smell like 390, give or take, and that was the whole thing from Turnaround Tuesday. Right of the vertical is today's activity, 392 and a quarter is the trend line you see horizontally running across the screen. Low of day, 391.63, they turned around and took off to the upside. Now, that's the crux of the notes because once they take off to the upside, you're either already long, you're willing to buy the market, assuming it's going to go higher, or you're just a spectator. But here's the thing that happened this morning to me. Didn't happen to all traders, happened to me, and I'm going to explain why. And it's all explained in the notes, but I'm going to run through it. You pause the video, read the notes, go back to the chart, and double-check the work. I want to explain everything here using pictures. I'm a buyer of 392 and a quarter. They run down and make a low of 392.34, and they have a rally away with a high of 394. Now, that's about 17 or so S&P handles. Now they turn around and come back down. It's not the same trade any longer, specifically for me. It's still support, but getting below opens the door for lower stuff. They came within a stone's throw and had at minimum of the type of bounce where we're taking off some profit and letting the rest go, and they came back down. I don't want that anymore. Why? Because they didn't do it in the manner in which. I can be choosy. If you miss a trade, there's another trade around the corner. When you feel like you're missing a trade, when you feel like you're missing the boat, you feel like you have to jump in, 
That's the wrong philosophy. That's the wrong attitude to trading. That promotes losses because what you're really doing is you're chasing. This one would have worked. Sometimes they don't. I stick to my guns. I follow my own process. And if I don't want to take the trade, that's the end of it. I just don't take it. Let's see what else we have in the notes. Now, check this out. What I'm doing here again with pictures is I want everybody to be reminded of what the bigger picture is. What's the market actually doing? Forget about what happens in the first 10 minutes, 30 minutes, even hour or two of the day. What's the big picture and where does the big picture change? What I did here is I took a 120 minute chart and I went through the big pivots, the stuff the market had to get through to get to the next one and the next one, and then once they get through the last one, they get into no man's land. And what we're saying here is first the bear case, the test was running up to the top of the range, and they're going to fail and fall back below 390. That would be a test of the high and then a failure, meaning no more bullish stuff. The bull case is they're going to run some tests of some or all of these pivots and then go back up again towards 400. And that's precisely what happened. The middle pivot was at 393.16. That's on the chart we just saw. That's off the 120-minute chart, hourly chart, daily chart, any chart. That's what the pivot was. 392 and a quarter was my intraday number. That's where I was willing to buy the market. They spiked the pivot. They're running a test. Looks like they're going down. The Johnny-come-latelys are gone. Then they turn it around. So you see, when you look at this stuff in the morning, you get a sense for the big picture. Then when they start to do what they're doing, you have a sense for what's actually going on. When you're looking at a short-term chart that most of you are early in the day, some of you look at a three-minute chart or a one-minute chart or a five-minute chart or whatever it is, it gets whippy. You get a false sense of what's actually going on. It looks like price movement is a lot larger than it actually is. Now here's another one. So check this out. So at 821, I take a look around the horn and I see something that I can't help but A, notice and B, put up on the board. So it deserves a check this out. In the spirit of no accidents or coincidences, the first chart is of the ES futures and it shows a big breakup candle and the arrows pointing to the low. That low is at 39.2475. Okay, fair enough. The next chart is the SPY and the arrow points to a pivot low of 392.45. Now, I could have used the pit session ES chart, would have come up with the same thing, just different numbers relative to the ES. But what I want to do is point something out. The arrow points to a pivot of 392.45. They're the same, different look, same price. It's an important spot. So I'm pointing out another important spot, just a little bit different than a different important spot for a different reason whatsoever. Now here it is again. This is the 60-minute chart. That was the low, 392.45. They double-bottomed the low here, 392.42. So it's the same thing. And then today, what did they do? They ran a test of it. Now let's go look at the ES chart. Same scenario. We were using the 24-hour chart or the continuous contract. So here's that breakup candle. The low is at 39.24.75. Look what happens during the pit session. The low is 39.30.25. What did they do? They ran a test in the neighborhood 
of the breakup candle low, which also was the same price as the pivot lows off the SPY or the pit session chart, and it's just a different look. When you look at a lot of different things and they converge to tell you the same thing, it's kind of like the duck syndrome. Walks like a duck, talks like a duck. Generally speaking, it's going to be a duck. All right, we're moving along. Let's see what else we have. 921. For now, before they get going, and just in case, I am a willing buyer, and price was a lot higher than this around the opening bell and then after the opening bell. I'm a willing buyer at the unfinished business place of 392 and a quarter if they go down there sooner than later. If they blow through, they'll be headed to 390, give or take, which would be another buy if necessary. If a trader wanted a tight stop, closing candles below 392 would open the door for the lower stuff. Expect back and forth, just in case or camp. So it turned out that was the right spot. It was the manner in which that kept me away. However, what I find out after the fact through people emailing me and such, that plenty of traders took the trade long down there and they wrote it up for as long as they were able to write it up for during the day. So guess what? Nice trade. I'm glad it worked out. What else we got? Well, you basically heard the whole shebang. What I'm going to do is scroll up, pause the video, read the notes, and go back to the chart to double-check the work. Everything that I just discussed and a whole lot more is in the notes throughout the trading day. But in the interest of time, what we'll do is just finish the scroll and then we'll circle back to stocks on the move. The main thing is, I like to be as transparent as possible. The notes are on the board. Everybody sees what the notes are. The trades are on the board in the pre-market. Everybody sees what the trades are after the fact. The lazy swing trader trades are on the board. I like to think of this as the real deal. Stocks on the move. Big list today. Remember, earnings season. Next week is the tech stuff. They're really going to get moving. We'll take a look at the stuff that hit its numbers. The rest did not. And part of the reason is the market was still rather quiet all day. The volume was light. We're in the summer doldrums. We'll take a look at the RCL. We'll look at ExxonMobil and UAL. The rest of the list off the board, somebody else's numbers, not interested. RCL opened below the number off the board. It's a no trade. They rallied back to run a test and stayed below it all day long. They ate time off the clock or stuck around under that number for a cup of coffee. What does that tell you? There's a likelihood that they're going to go lower to find another destination. Just wasn't today. Exxon early on did most of the deal, went a little bit lower, came back, rallied up, did the minimum required base hit and then some. The numbers work and base hits put you in the hall of fame. UAL, early in the day, they came into the number, they spiked it, they rallied up, they provided the minimum required base hit. A lot of traders in the room got this one. Jordan got this one in the room. By the way, he also got a profit on ExxonMobil, as did other traders in the room. After the profit and it comes back down, the trade's over, we're not watching it anymore. Doesn't matter what they do the rest of the day, unless they come into one of the other provided support numbers. Shifting over to Camp IWM, the gap is 183.57, and the high today happens to be 182.50. They have not yet got to the gap. They will get to the gap, but they could play some games first. You know, the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew. It's certainly possible. 
but they are getting up into that zone we discussed. This is the beginning or the front end of overhead resistance. Same thing with the SPY, getting into front end of overhead resistance. Now, remember what happened before. Before, we were short from the top, we took a ride down, took some profit, and we got some long trades on the bounces, but then I missed like two or three additional short trades for the ride down. They didn't get to my numbers on the upside. So in a downtrend, sometimes they'll miss numbers on the upside. In an uptrend, sometimes they'll miss numbers on the downside. When the tape is bullish, they can't get to the stuff down below. When the tape is bearish, bounce in a downtrend, a la, they can't get to sometimes stuff on the upside. Just saying. No change in the big picture. They're doing the thing that we discussed they were doing. Now the cues, and we'll get back to the transport department, but I'm excited about the cues because they're in the breakdown box. Could they spike this whole thing into the 100 period moving average up here? Yes, they could, but this is a big time area of overhead resistance. I don't expect them to blow on through. Anything is possible, anything goes. This high here, 314.56, should be very, very important overhead resistance. And that's an if they can even get up there. Circling back to the folks over at the transportation department, they didn't really go anywhere today. Remember, this is my favorite canary in the coal mine. We know a lot of these charts are either approaching or have already approached overhead resistance. There may be a little more, but they should be getting into the front end. Are the transports telling us that there's going to be a pullback and the canary in the coal mine is flying on through, kind of given the signal? It is possible. Second favorite market leading indicator, a number one canary in the coal mine. And by the way, they too should. And I say should because we don't know that they will. But you see the high here at 13,951. They should be able to get to and a little bit through at minimum of 14,000. Whether they do it tomorrow, we don't know. I'm just saying they should be able to. Those numbers are meaningful. They're magnetic. It's also an important spot for a different reason. They should hit the big fat round number. The XLF, the financials. Now, I find this extremely interesting. Think in terms of the SPY chart. Think in terms of those pivots that we talked about. These are really the same pivots, kind of give or take, right? You have one here. This one's a lot lower than it was in the SPY. And then you have one here. Now, they're just now approaching these pivots. Are they going to be able to work through these pivots and get up to this gap now? Or are the financials telling us that it's a weak sector and that they're going to peter out once they get to the top end of their range, which they're basically at now, and they're not going to be able to get into no man's land like some other markets. Is this also a potential canary in the coal mine? And I would say, until proven otherwise, I'm going to say yes. What about Smash Mouth? Now, check this one out. Here's the gap, and the closing price is 232.42. The high today, interestingly enough, was 232. 14. This is one of those instances or situations where they had every opportunity to fill that gap today. They could have spiked it up a few more cents and done it, but they chose not to. So either they're going to trade through it into the 100 period moving average or tricking company is going to show up. They're not going to fill the gap anytime soon and they're going to start to pull back. 
We'll find out in the morning, but whenever that happens, I really find it extremely interesting, almost comical, when they come up short when they had an opportunity just pennies away. There's always a meaning behind anything. That's where I'm coming from. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.